before we start, let's talk to our God. Dear Father in heaven, you know everything that's going on in every one of us at this moment. So I pray that you will pour out all of heaven in this room and in rooms around the world today. And bless us with a glimpse of you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. He asked me if I needed the screen today and I said no. I've got about, oh, I'd say 50 to 60 screens right out there. I do not have stories of airplanes. I do not have stories of Africa today. Today, I have a gift to share with you. And I hope that when you leave today, you will have glimpsed God. Where do you begin a story that is ages too long to tell in a brief, few brief minutes? The season cries out to begin at the first advent. Yet the story I wish to share begins much earlier and spans thousands of years. I wish to share a story, a few moments frozen in time by the camera of the mind's eye. I would ask each of you to put everything aside for the next few moments. Turn off your cell phones, put aside your tablets, and close your eyes and go with me on a journey through time and space. Let the Holy Spirit guide your imagination to create a scene in your mind, a portrait, if you will, of a few brief events to ponder and reflect upon. And I pray that you will be moved to the core by the images God paints in your minds. The big picture begins long ago when mankind was just still a plan and not a fact. God surely knew man was going to fall. He is all-knowing. Yet he still created us anyway. After our fall from Eden, God revealed his plan to restore humanity to our, to our unfallen place in the universe. Over the next few millennia, God waited for the moment. He knew was coming, the moment he would step down off his throne, set down his crown, and dive headfirst into the sewer that humanity had become all so he could lift us up to heaven. The shepherds, the wise men, Simeon and Anna all came to see divinity clothed in humanity in the form of a babe. Each of these moments, if paused upon, would create a snapshot of great depth and profound enlightenment but these are not the moments I wish to focus on today. As Christ grew and began his ministry, 
Countless people came to see and hear what Jesus had to say and what he could do for them. Yet these are not the moments I wish to focus on today. The Advent, the Nativity, the ministry of Christ were all part of God's plan. A critical part of which was to reveal to humanity who God really is. As Jesus responded to John the Baptist's request for an answer to his deep, heartfelt question, Christ answered in the way which he knew would have the deepest impact. He told the messengers to tell John what they had seen and what they heard. It is through these mediums that God chooses to communicate himself to mankind, not by words alone, but also by deed. So as we approach our place in time, please close your eyes. Step out of your own world and into the Jerusalem night. There's foreboding this evening, a sense that something is not quite right. The master's spirit is clearly weighed down as you follow him and his disciples across the the brook Kidron and into the Garden of Gethsemane. You are only a few feet away from Peter, James, and John as you walk down the path. As you get to the garden, Jesus bids most of his disciples to stay here, and he calls Peter, James, and John to follow him further and you walk a little behind them as they go down the trail a little farther. Then Jesus asks them to stay there and pray as he goes over by himself and he prays. And as Christ pours out his heart to his Father, the disciples drift off into sleep. Not once, not twice, three times. Christ makes the call to his father and asks if he can't do it some other way. Off in the distance you hear a noise, a crowd. You see lights coming. It's louder and louder, shouting. And as Christ comes back and wakes Peter, James, and John, The crowd is nearly on top of everyone now. As Judas steps up, you watch him kiss Jesus. You watch as Jesus' divinity flashes through humanity and everyone falls to the ground. They now stand with no excuse because they know who it is that they're about to grab. You follow along with Peter and John as they trail behind the mob as they go down to the Pharisees' house. The high priest. 
And as you stand in the courtyard, you see John over in the corner, away from everyone, but close enough where he can hear what's going on. And you see Peter by the fire warming himself. It's got to be early morning. It's cool. There's a chill. You can feel it through your bones. And then you hear Peter saying, I do not know him. And he moves away, agitated. And not long after, you hear him Say it again, this time, adamantly. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. This is the moment. This is the snapshot. when Christ looked at Peter and Peter looked at Christ. What did Peter see? Peter's realizations coming to him is beginning to feel sick to his stomach. While the degrading oaths were fresh upon Peter's lips and the shrill crowing of the crock was still ringing in his ears, the Savior turned from the frowning judges and looked full upon his poor disciple. At the same time, Peter's eyes were drawn to his master. In that gentle countenance, he read deep pity and sorrow. But there was no anger there. The sight of that pale, suffering face, those quivering lips, that look of compassion and forgiveness pierced his heart like an arrow. Conscience was aroused. Memory was active. Peter called to mind his first promise of a few short hours ago that he would go with the Lord to prison and to death. He remembered his grief when the Savior told him in the upper chamber that he would deny his Lord thrice that same night. Peter had just declared that he knew not Jesus, but he now realized with bitter grief how well his Lord knew him and how accurately he had read his heart, the falseness of which was unknown even to himself. A tide of memories rushed over him, the Savior's tender mercy, his kindness and long-suffering, his gentleness and patience towards his erring disciples, all was remembered. He recalled the caution, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as a wheat. 
And I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. He reflected with horror upon his own ingratitude, his falsehood, his perjury. Once more he looked at his master and saw a sacrilegious hand raised to smite him in the face. Unable longer to endure the scene, he rushed, heartbroken, from the hall. What did Peter see when he looked into the eyes of Jesus? He saw sorrow. He saw pain. But Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him. What was the sorrow? What was the pain? I believe it was the sorrow and the pain in knowing what Peter was about to go through. And his precious child was going to be torn to shreds by Satan. Satan and his angels were going to do nothing less than try to get the same result they got with Judas. And that was one more dead disciple. But I believe that look, in that look, Peter saw that love, and that was the single thread that got him through the next few hours. So as Peter stumbles out and into the night, I know there's a darkness in his mind, a black complete black I've had it for me it was like jumping off a cliff into the middle of pure midnight knowing there were rocks at the bottom we don't know exactly where Peter went been sure that sooner or later he came back and he watched as the trials continued Barabbas was released the cross was carried and Jesus was crucified then carried and buried in the tomb that night what were Peter's thoughts ache in his heart thinking that it was over that he had betrayed his best friend and he could never say he was sorry early morning was he sitting in the house was he on the stoop was he isolating himself from the other disciples not wanting to go anywhere near them feeling ashamed. The women they had just left not too long ago to take the spices. And unbeknownst to him, as they were down at the tomb, they met an angel. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, and they came, that they might come and anoint him. 
very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away. For it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. The heart of God was reaching out even now, the first thoughts were of this disciple who he knew had just endured the worst days of his life. And he wanted to send him comfort. He was on the mind of God. So as the women come back and Peter's in his stupor, he hears the commotion and something breaks through the darkness, the fog of his mind. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And the message is passed to Peter. Who makes it to the door first? Peter or John? We know who made it to the tomb first. But picture... Peter, as he's running down the path to the tomb, the light is breaking through. There is the possibility, there is hope that just maybe he can tell Jesus he is sorry in person. I have no doubt he's running down the path wiping tears from his eyes. We're not given the description of Peter's first words to Christ. They were for Christ alone. But we are told of Christ extending the opportunity for Peter to confess him by the lake in the presence of his fellow disciples. Years later, as Peter was upon his own cross, did he look back at that moment in time, the time when he looked into the eyes of Jesus those many years before? Did he remember how that look of love had changed and sustained him the rest of his life? This is the story of one man in a few brief moments in his life. Moments when he stared into the eyes of the divine and there found life. As you think of the Christ child this season, do not forget that his first advent was only a part of a story that would be told by countless people throughout the universe for all eternity. Each with their own personal 
snapshot of when they looked into the eyes of the divine and there found life. Have you looked into the eyes, brothers and sisters? Has your heart been pierced by the eyes of divine love for a lost soul looking back at you? Eyes full of love, sorrow and pain for the agony that sin has brought into your life. Eyes in which there is no condemnation. Look ye, brothers and sisters, look ye, and there find life. Amen. Dear Father in heaven, You lifted a serpent in the wilderness. You sent your son as a babe. You lifted him up on a cross. Father, please help us to see you in all the things that you do for us. And Father, may we share with others what we have seen and what we have heard. In Jesus' name.